everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from Metsmerized. We have two guests with us today. Uh, two buddies from uh, from the baseball world. Uh, two writers for Forbes Magazine. Both members of uh, uh, Forbes Magazine. I'm showing my age. <laughs> Forbes.com. Um, both uh, credited and credentialed by the Baseball Writers Association of America. Larry Fleischer and Jerry Beach. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you? Good to be here. Good. Thanks for having us on, Tim. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And of course, everyone, Jerry's got a new book out. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. It's called the Subway Series. Baseball's biggest, uh, excuse me, baseball's big apple battles and the Yankees Mets 2000 World Series Classic. Uh, You know, Mets Mets are at the heart of this. Uh, We all know the ending, but I'm certainly uh, curious to hear about the uh, the journey and uh, hear a little bit about Jerry's take on it. So, uh, guys, we do have a little bit of, of breaking news. Uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN just announced we're recording around 5.30 on Monday, uh, just got on ESPN a few minutes ago and uh, informed us that the MLB has, I don't know if it's formally rejected, but they uh, are not in favor of the MLBPA's 114-game proposal, but they are willing to concede uh, prorated pay for the players, which has been a... um, uh, a big point that the players have stood up on. And uh, al- although they will be sh- severely shortening the season, or at least that's the, uh, that's the offer right now. There's still plenty of time to come to a middle ground, but uh, Larry, I'm going to start with you. What is your take? Do you think this is a, a stepping stone towards a deal? I think it's a very small, very small stepping stone, given that these, given that the, uh, Given the given the progress that we've seen, when I saw the headline of the uh, 114 thing come out come out Sunday night, I I liked that. I liked that. You know, I mean, I knew, you know, I knew the uh, owners would never go for that. So I like, and I and I know the players would never go for 50. I mean, 50 is like pointless. It's like uh, it's like barely playing them, barely playing a Memorial Day under a normal season, which is like yeah. the, which is what they consider the first you know mile post in the terms of the standings. So. I'd like to think that we're getting to the point that maybe you're going to start to see, okay, here's what we say. Let's meet in the middle, blah, 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 and so on. And maybe we wind up with the 80 games or eight or 82 games. That's ultimately with the, uh, with the salaries, with this, with the salaries changed on the prorated on a pro on a prorated basis. Yeah. I, I, I'm a, uh, I, I thought Tim's tweet, you know, just a few minutes ago, you know, was pretty 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 accurate. It's uh you know they want players about one fourteen, owners one fifty. What's a nice middle number in there, right? It's eighty two, and and that's you know I could see it falling. I think just below that, just so you know the owners can have a you know a you know a notch there. But like Larry said, a fifty game season. It's at that point you know I said as a as a joke on you know why don't we just you know have the double elimination tournament. And night dusk to dawn for a week. I mean, come on, <laughs> a 82 game season. Given all that's going on in the world since March, since February, you know, when we look back on it, we'll say, okay, we understand why that 2020 season was 82 games long, or 114 games long, or 50. No, no, there's no asterisk. There's the pandemic's not the asterisk for a 50 game season. It's just the owners, you know, being uh, uh, particularly difficult. And it's funny. You know, seeing this uh, proposal today, when in I think it was late March, maybe early April, Manfred was saying baseball wants to be part of the healing process. 
Oh, was there a small fine print that all oh, only 50 games? I mean, how 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 do you? I understand it's business and it's negotiating, but it's just kind of hard to to jive those two. You know, we want to help baseball. We want we want baseball to help kind of you know bring people back to some some idea of normalcy, whatever that heck that's going to be. And then say, oh, by the way, we're gonna, how's how's 50 games sound? <laughs> it's not for for so, context of oh god god no you're good you're good. For context of how long 50 games is in terms of time, mm-hmm. I, my, I bought the Stratomatic computer game. Once it was apparent that I was going to have time to actually play every single game of re, replay of last season, I bought it on March 27th. I am just about at the 50-game mark for most teams. Uh, the Mets have played 50 games. They are, they are 26 and 24. So... So then, a little over two. So that's a little. That's barely over two months that it takes to get to fifty games. Yeah. I mean, what's the what's the point there? Yeah, there's no point. And for what it's worth, I you know, like I I'd said, I just did a quick quick. My math may not be right. I'm, I'm not great at math. But I think if my math is right, I think if if um if each I think it's, I think if each team played uh each division opponent twelve times, that'd be forty eight games, and you play the other division. You know, for the Mets of the AL East, home and home, that'd be thirty games. Get you to seventy-eight games. So that's less than eighty-two. So the owners can kind of say, "Hey, you know, we got that." Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's a, maybe that's the solution we go. We're at you know uh, a week from now, where, where you still get you know a thorough schedule in your own division, and you get your travel partners in in, in the corresponding geographical division. Yeah, you would hope that middle ground is. Um... You know, it's certainly there. It's made itself more apparent in recent mm-hmm. days, which is a lot more progress than they had over the first week of these discussions. Yep. Now, now let's say they come to an agreement, and let's say it's in that 75, 80 game mark. I, you know, the COVID numbers aren't necessarily getting much better across the nation yep. um, with the ongoing protests. I, uh, yeah. you know, there's a there's a certain um, there's a, a, a definite chance that. Uh, that, you know, things could certainly, we could see an uptick in that area. So oh, let's yeah. say there's an agreement and let's say the season gets started. Guys, what are your, um, you know, what are your, do, do you have, I don't want to put odds on a full season being played with no interruptions, but do you think this can go off without a hitch? I am not sure, but I will, and I will say this, the, as someone, Jerry drives the game, so but I take I've taken mass transit for years, and granted I take an express bus into the city and then take the subway, so it's only a half hour. But you know I'm still you know leery of going on the subway to uh, to uh, to places that are in zip codes that have been amongst the hardest hit. I know I don't know if it's the hardest hit, but I know the zip codes where city field is which is corona don't it's not really it's not flushing even though they say it's flushing and uh, where yankee stadium is in the, in the, in the hybrid section of the south bronx are among the hardest hits and i think that I, i'm leery of going on the subway to, to that just for that reason i mean i know the numbers are down and so on but you know who knows what who knows what's you know how whether that fluctuation actually stays and, and stays down yeah i think i think like everyone we're all you know we all play uh, professional scientologists uh, or scientists on uh on twitter and facebook right everybody, everybody does that these days yeah but, I mean, amateur <laughs> epidemiologist. Yeah, <laughs> amateur. Yeah, i couldn't say that word. <laughs> like you said i couldn't figure it out 
Um, but, um, you know, I, I mean, you know, I read something that said Italy is finding that the, that the COVID-19 is far less potent now than in uh, March and April. Is that true? I, I don't have any idea if that's true. If that's true, and we got hit really hard over here, you would think that, you know, as it gets to October, November, maybe December, maybe, you know, it's, we're still in this position we're hoping to get to now where it's manageable and people can return back to their functioning lives. I, but I have no idea. Uh, do I think it would go off without uh, uninterrupted? My, my gut says they can get it done by November. You know, it seems you know a lot of colleges are getting the kids back to school a couple weeks earlier and getting rid of Christmas, uh, getting rid of uh, Thanksgiving break. Tells you that they're worried that after Thanksgiving there's going to be another flare up. So uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. My guess is that you know, from what we can tell of the numbers, it seems slightly better than it was is that good enough to get us through another four or four and a half months five months i don't know i hope so because there'd be nothing other than canceling the season nothing yeah. that would be a bigger uh well i should say if it's health related and it happens it happens that, that'd be terrible but i think we don't understand why it happened uh but it would it's still obviously if you start it you'd love to to know you've got a shot to finish it so uh i'd be my hope but you know, I <laughs> I have no idea if it's possible. I sure hope so. I hope we're sitting here in this Christmas and somebody's been trying to champion and and we're all kind of you know, gaining our feet a little bit. But we'll see. Yeah, I guess, you know, you have to hope that the guidelines in place and, uh, you know, the intake and the testing, you know, you have to hope that that certainly improves the chances of, of things going smoothly. Um, I know I brought this up to Andrew Marchand of uh, – of New York post just add one of his mailbag questions. Um, and I could probably ask you guys, what's the general feeling among the media? I know Larry just touched on it uh, a little bit in his last response, but um, you know, players are in the clubhouse. They're in close quarters. The media is in just as close quarters as the players are. And you know, that's, um, you know, I, I, I don't even know the question to ask here, really. Just, you know, it, that has to be in the back of your minds, right? Sure, sure. Uh, I know we were just talking, my wife and I, uh, you know, everyone talks about trying to get back to normal a little bit. We're, we saw uh, our daughter's best friend, her family, the last two weekends outside at their house, you know, nobody else. Just kind of a way to kind of, you know, get back to something resembling normal. And the conversation came up, like, you know, do you think there'll be baseball games this year, et cetera, et cetera. And my wife said, I'm not sure I want you to go. And I'm like, I'm not sure I disagree. Uh, <laughs> and I think another thing that's going to be, as she was saying, like, you know, do you think there's going to be access? And we don't know. Uh, we don't know. You know, first, there's got to be a season. And it's a moot point without a season. If there's a season, is it you get the manager and a player in the, in the, in the conference room at, three, at 4 o'clock? And then a manager playing in the, in the uh, conference room after the game. You know what happens? I I, I don't think we'll get locker room. I, think, I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I think, think the I think I think the access will be truncated in terms yeah. of especially, especially since since virtually any state every stadium I assume Wrigley Field and Dodger Stadium be considered two oldest other than Fenway have have interview rooms. I know Fenway does. I've seen them on TV, but yeah. from. So I so and any stadium with an interview room will just I think we'll just we'll just see uh, 
just yeah, uh, yeah. bringing people into the room. Now, I don't know if you could put your tape recorder up on the podium. I, mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I never really, I never really do because because I can, because I just never did. But I, and I know, and then the Yankee Stadium, if you as Jim Jerry has been many times, is like a college lecture hall, so they would have no problem doing the social distancing. I mean, yeah. I don't. Sometimes I social distance in there myself when I in the past year. So just sit in like one yeah. rows and nobody sits next to me. Cool. <laughs> I, I think that you know, there's one on one. Do you want to write a feature story? Player X work. Do you come out in the dugout and in row A? In the six seats between you, and you're kind of shouting your questions to them. Uh, I don't know. I you know, and then I, I know NASCAR has has started up, and I saw some pictures of their press boxes, like you know, four seats between each person. And I wonder what you know what will happen. You know, my guess just talking purely out loud is like, you know, I bet this is a year where only the cardholders get in, that, that day passers wouldn't. I don't know for sure. I'm just spitballing. But that's one way to minimize the traffic in, in, the, in the press box. Uh, in New York, both press boxes are open air. Uh, the Mets have uh, windows. Yankees do not. I figure that'll help because you can space people out six feet apart with open windows, and, and that, that should minimize any, any risk that there is. Um, but, you know, to kind of circle back to, to Tim's original question, like how comfortable am I at the moment? Not great. You know, six weeks from now, things may, may feel different. But, you know, if there's only going to be Zoom access or, or, or you know, if, if there's, like, like Larry was saying, if you can't put your quarter down, maybe the teams produce the, the content, uh, teams produce the interviews, record the interviews and send them out. Like, is that worth going to games for in this environment? I don't know. You know I, I don't... I, if, if that's an option, and I know – there are some teams that, you know, actually do send out audio files of their audio in the past. I know the uh, Mariners, for example, have a media website, and I think the Reds do it because when yes. I worked at the sports exchange on the editing side, I would get all the emails from all the teams, like all these press releases. So I would see it, and I would just, you know, and it's like the Yankees, if the Yankees or the Mets are going to do it, and I have the option to stay home and do it, hmm. I'm going to do it. I mean, my, where I live, it's like, you know, you don't realize, you know, kind of, and I feel fortunate about this, you know, how nice where I live is until you have to spend virtually every day, other than the occasional drive to randomly run into Jerry. But that's a story <laughs> for another day. It's <laughs> yeah. a story for another day. That's, that's a good story. For that later, yes. <laughs> yeah. So you don't realize, so you don't, I sit outside a lot. I sit outside, I read, you know, I keep the phone with me. Sometimes I'll, you know, putz around on the phone and it's like, Sitting, it's like sitting in a big park. It's like sitting in a big park. It just, just happened to be a bunch of apartment buildings. And it's like, I'm like, you know, if they play, I'm like, I might just take the laptop, watch the game, write the story from from outside on the lawn chair because I get the Wi Fi. Yeah. Just to stay safe. Oh, yeah. exactly. And this, I mean, even beyond sports, I think this could be a, a landscape changing point because, yep. you know, now companies are realizing, oh, hey, you know, we don't need an office or we don't need this big of an office if that's the case. And, um, you know, people are working from home and it's, it's working. It's working for a lot of companies. And, uh, yeah, you have to wonder what, what changes they might see or what changes might stick moving forward. But uh, one of the changes that have come along uh, and that, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with COVID, but it certainly coincided with it, uh, is the, the plight of the minor leaguer, which uh, has, has kind of continued on uh, over some time. Uh, teams are making moves. 
Um, contraction hasn't officially been announced. We've heard whispers of teams being contracted, particularly the Mets. Um, Binghamton and Kingsport are both rumored to be on the block. Uh, Teams have begun releasing players. The Mets, up until Monday afternoon, were leading the pack with 39 players released. Uh, The Yankees overtook them at 45, according to, I believe, Eric Boland and John Heyman. Wow, 45. Yeah. You know, I I wasn't surprised at the first part of your sentence, being 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 what we know about the Mets, about the ownership. (laughs) But the uh, the Yankees won, I guess. I didn't... 45 but i guess maybe i shouldn't be surprised at any of this now well you know that's that's where kind of i lie um we don't know what's next you know we don't know how many guys are going to latch on with major league clubs we don't know the impact of the the independent leagues this year because that that seems to be a a, just a natural next step in the process for uh uh, just for finding these professional ball players uh a home with uh you know in marketable cities or marketable you know, <laughs> marketable places where where they they can get the eyes on them, but um, you know, I, I guess a, a a minor league season is looking less and less likely. Uh, do you guys foresee a, a monumental shift in how the minor leagues are are kind of are operated? Uh, I know they would like to. <laughs> I know they would. I know they would like to. They've been they've been talking about this pretty much since the uh, nationals won the world series and yep. probably were even talking about it behind the scenes and off public record long before that. I know they would like to, I mean, I would hope not because, you know, I understand, I obviously I don't live in a lot of these towns, but I understand, like I understand the value of short season baseball to some of these places in like Montana and out West. And I would, would, you know, you would hate to see, See uh, that happens. So uh, Major League Baseball, could, which makes a million dollars getting a soda from the vending machine, if you want to be frank about it, yeah. from can save a couple bucks even now. I mean, so you, I mean, but but it seems that way that that's going to be headed. That's the way it's going to be headed. I mean, personally, I'm sure you've been there, Tim, uh, with the Brooklyn Cyclones games. I mean, I love going there. I try to go once a year if I can. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it's fantastic. And I think the whole minor league experience is something that attracts the fans that might not be in within driving distance of a of a major league ballpark. And I think that, um, you know, certain certain pockets of, of fan bases are, are going to really feel that. And, uh, you know, it, it, there's no question that streamlining was inevitable and, and necessary as well. But um, I just feel like this was a very, very drastic change. Um I think they kind of sped up that process that I guess, Larry, you've been, you were mentioning that, uh, had been, you know, kind of in the works for a while. Uh, Jerry, do you, do you, do you feel that it's going to be an unconventional kind of shift or, you know, just kind of a streamlining of sorts? I, I think that, you know, had there been a season in 2020 and everything kind of had everything that happened, not happened. You know, I think there would have been more hurdles to, to surmount for for Major League Baseball to, to drop 42 teams. You know, yeah. communities could have coalesced, come together, and and you, know, you could have generated some in the, in the local markets. Maybe generated some um, publicity. And don't 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 get rid of the Billings Reds. Don't get rid of the Kingsport Mets, Binghamton Mets, stuff like that. Now, you know, everyone's attention is on a 
you know, coronavirus and, and, and unfortunately civil unrest and, and there's no baseball being played. So, and now, you know, they're going to a five round draft next week and they're going and, you know, obviously they cut, there's going to be hundreds, if not a thousand players cut over the next week, you know, week to 10 days, um, guys who've been cut spring training. Uh, and we, you know, we might not have noticed a lot about it. Just, it would have been standard, but now it's like, okay, I think you were saying, you know, that there's hundreds of guys out there and there's, and there's no minor league season to latch on to. There's no independent season that we know of at the moment to latch on to. Maybe there will be, but uh, the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, the ecosystem that they usually have isn't there. And so it's not there now. And now they can say, if, they, if MLB wants to, they can say, okay, well, you know, look, it, here's what happened in 2020. And, and you know, we, we, we only have five rounds. Next year, five round draft. Next year, we're only going to have, was it 140, 160 players? And then the, the 2021 draft will be 21 rounds. And we don't, so therefore, we don't need, you know, the, the short season rookie league ball. We can just do it at the team sites. So, you know, a cynic could say that, you know, the way the landscape has changed due to the pandemic is going to allow them to, hey, look it, look it, we only have five rounds this year, you know, and, and you know, the, the college baseball season didn't exist. And, you know, we're only going to have 20 rounds next year because of this. And so we don't need as many teams. Sorry. And, and this is the plan all along. And yeah. the way also- that life has unfolded has just given the easy cynical out as opposed to actually – we need proof. Why don't you need? Why do you need to get rid of forty-two times, you know, twenty-five or you know, twenty-six players? Why, why do you need to get rid of all these jobs when after during the season, which all those players are employed and all those cities were were were, uh, were fielding teams and you know filling up parks and things like that? So you know the way the, this is the you know the pandemic timing could not have come at a worse time for anybody for a billion reasons, but in, in terms of saving minor league baseball from what I think we, I know I feel is an unnecessary uh, slicing. It's just, it's just, you know, it's not going to, they need a season to save them. And they're not getting it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, um, it's certainly a shock and it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's a, it's a sad situation for the guys who lost their jobs, but you just have to hope that there's going to be a positive come out of this. Um, Larry, last, last, last bit on the, uh, on the minor leagues here. Okay. And it did, you know, do you feel that we've seen player major league teams kind of shift towards a younger arbitration eligible core. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that that was all, this was almost a precursor to this. Maybe it was about, I'm not going to say it's conspiracy, but um, maybe the whispers grew to a, a strong murmur <laughs> and, uh, and teams were, were, you know, privately preparing for this. Do you think that's a possibility? I don't know. I don't know if it was, it was a, you know, precursor or foreshadowing or any, any other way you want to put it, but, but it did strike me as odd in the previous offseason leading into the 2019, that there were so many, so many contract extensions and look, and I understand I understand, you know, players accepting it. I mean, I understand like players like Luis Severino accepting a contract extension because you you don't know what's going to happen. And now he's out. He's you know not going to pitch until next year because it's. But it just struck me as awfully, awfully suspicious as all these guys were signing contract extensions. In a, I mean, I know Mike Trout got his, and he and what he got was may have been what he would have gotten. You know, if he hit free agency in a normal time, so I'll exclude him. But it just seems like 
you know, like guys like Severino who and Aaron Hicks are getting contract extensions. It just struck me as odd. I mean, from a team perspective, it's a good way to do it, but you know, you bring down you would in theory bring down the cost. I don't know how how much that actually did given the contracts that Manny Machado got and the but it you bring you bring down the cost of some of the low, the lower tiered players. It but it just is kind of odd. I don't know how you felt about it about it when when that happened. It gets, I, it kind of feels like a budgetary shift. Um, I think teams are kind of allocating. All right, we're going to have three or four guys that make this much money. I think we're going to have ten guys on the roster that are pre-arb. We're going to have ten guys on the roster that are nearing arbitration, and uh, five of those guys are going to be on the trading block this summer. And you know, I think that there's a um, a method to the to the madness, but you know, it's such a shift from you know. And this is my segue, by the way. Looking back on the 2000 Mets, where there wasn't really. Um, there was more of a veteran presence and, and, and really uh, throughout the game, that was kind of the case. There was a lot more of a veteran presence on teams as opposed to a young core and a couple of veterans to kind of lead them through. Yeah. Um, and now Jerry can probably chime in on this. I mean, uh, you didn't have many young guys on those. And I'm going to pick out the 2000 Mets because it fits into our, <laughs> into our set list here. But, um, you know, you have your Jay Payton's, you have your, I'm going down the list here. I'm trying to think. You're, you're, you know, uh, Melvin Mora, who who started the season there, but should have right. finished the season there. I'll stick to that forever. <laughs> but um, you know, teams aren't really aren't built the same way. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I just uh, when Larry, Larry was saying, and, and when you asked about, you know, last year being maybe uh, uh, you know, the, the 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 plot behind the plot, you know, the move before the move. Like, um, you know, I just feel like, you know, signing those players long term. Yeah, you can't turn on that money because that's great money. It's life changing money. It's not, you know, super duper free agency money, but it's life changing money. And I wonder if, like, you know, this is a way to soften the union up so without having to break it. And I also wonder if that's the same thing going down the road. Now, fewer and fewer minor league jobs, uh, you know, be happy that you're in the, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, 25% fewer jobs. Be happy you have one. And that's going to, like, you know, impact them when they get to the bigs in 2025 and the negotiations they have then. So I do, you know, it just struck me that, like, you know, I think there's, you know, they're not thinking, they're not thinking we'll move ahead here. <laughs> you know, they're probably thinking four or five, six moves ahead and, you know, locking in, lock, locking in guys at the rates they got, like Larry was talking about, and then cutting the minor leagues. That's a way to, you know, try and soften the union without, you know, going through the ugly strike and breaking of it. So we'll find out in a few years, you know, if that's the case. But um, but to go back to 2000, yeah, you know, you know, that team was just loaded, and he, even the prospects were older. Jay Payton was 27, and he was born in 72. He was, you know, he'd had the uh, multiple elbow and shoulder injuries. Benny Agbayani was even older. He was 28 in 2000. He was born late 71. Melvin Moore was 26 or 27 at that point. So it's funny that even like you know the the prospects on that team. Had you know had had you know there was no twenty one year old David Wright on that team and there was no Ahmad Rosario on that team you know young guys um, you know jumping into the fire like that but uh, you know if you look at that two thousand team you know it was just such a you know a neat mix uh, of veterans who had been through a lot together it had been, been through a lot in their careers Todd Zeal played for you know, played for a, you know a ton of teams Robin Ventura was a 
really, really good third baseman, but he had that terrible ankle injury, 97. Um, uh, Piazza, you know, was a, you know, talk about the draft, 62nd round draft pick. You know, would he get a shot 30 years later? Uh, you know, Daryl Hamilton, uh, the late Daryl Hamilton was, was, you know, kind of a journeyman. He'd been around a long time. Todd Pratt, delivering pizzas for a, for a year. Matt Franco, best known as Kurt Russell's nephew. I mean, all these guys <laughs> ha- had, you know, had all been through a lot before they got to New York and had kind of, you know, developed that second skin, that third skin of, you know, they, they'd been toughened up. Not, not, not that no one's, you know, not, 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 not that today's folk are tough. I just mean like, you know, they'd been through a lot and, and, and you know, not much was going to phase them. And while they all didn't come up together, they all, they all hadn't played for 12 years in New York. You know, they all had similar experiences wherever they'd been prior to 99, 2000. And you put that, that kind of group together, and again, going back to even the rookies, you know, the, the younger guys had been through a lot, a lot of injuries, and you know, uh, long time climbing up the minor leagues. You know, you kind of get that resiliency, and we saw that throughout that, you know, throughout that run that that team had from '99 to even, you know, I count the 2001 team. I still think that that counts as that that team's uh, era because you know they had that great run before and after 9/11, where they were, you know, in last place and you know, 15 under, whatever the heck it was, and and made it back and, and, and made a race out of it. There's just a certain, you know, resiliency to them and a kind of like a, cl- a collective thing that they'd all been through a lot. And you put that team together and it wasn't one that was easily uh, waylaid or easily knocked down. I mean, they, they, they were down 3-0, down the last handful of outs in game four. And should have forced game seven <laughs> against the Braves in 99. And, you know, I know 2000 goes down as a five-game series and, History, you know, if you just look at baseball reference, oh, they lost four games to one. You know, the Yankees are a dynasty. They, they have the better of them. But we all know. We, we're all watching those games. And they could have won all five games. Um, you know, and they were all great games. And even the one game, every game was one run except the last one. And, you know, that was a game where uh, Lighter was one pitch away from getting out of it with a tie game in the ninth inning. So, you know, there's a certain – because they, they had that veteran presence. And, and you know, look at it. If there's no – if the game's moving away from that, it'll develop itself in other ways. You know, I think you know we see these twenty the twenty twenty Mets. Hopefully, we see twenty the twenty twenty Mets. <laughs> you know, we saw it last year that that's a young team, but it had an identity and a resiliency and, and a real endearing quality to it that I thought. And, and you know, I'd like to hear what you guys think. Like, they they remind me of the ninety nine two thousand Mets in, in a way. You know, they were never out of it. They 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 kind of found. You know, Ventura had L A Woman. Alfonso has LFGM. I'm not sure if we can curse here, so I won't. But oh know. yeah, please go for it, man. Oh my god, my daughter's in the room now, so I can't. Oh okay, you know. But uh, outside forces, we know, Todd, we know what you, we know what you meant. You know, Todd Pratt, you know, runs the field and you know bear hugs Ventura before he gets a second. As Pratt says, the whole dog was coming. He would have been stopped before he got to third or home. Pratt just takes the fall for it. You know, Ventura was not completing that round the paces. But, you know, Alfonso ripping off shirts of guys who draw a walk to, to win a game. You know, that team was built differently than the 99, 2000, 2001 team, but it had a lot of same qualities and, you know, a lot of same qualities and same leadership. It's just, it's a different game now where a Pete Alonso can become the team leader and the de facto captain. It's just remarkable to me that we went watching the Mets games. We went from David Wright played his last game, his first game. And Just like it, whether he's a captain, Pete Alonso is new David Wright. I think as long as he stays healthy, 
for the next few years. He's David Wright, yeah. I, I think, in terms of he's, he's their guy. He's the franchise. He's the face of the franchise. He's the guy. If you're in our shoes, you go to him every night for his take. He's the guy. If something happens, like, you know, there's awful stuff going on with with um, Minneapolis and, 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 the, and the protests, you know, Pete Alonzo posts something about it and, and very eloquent. And, you know, last year, Pete Alonzo was born in, what, uh, 94? So he's six or seven years old when 9-11 happens. And he's the one that organizes the, we're going to wear our cleats and not tell MLB about it. And if they find us, fine, they find us. Um, you know, that's just, you're born with that. And, and, and he was able, he's born with it. And he, he's able, even though he was six or seven years old when that, you know, 9-11 happened, he's able to eloquently explain, eloquently explain what it, what that did to New York and what it means to New Yorkers who are still here to go through that. It's not an anniversary because it's not, so, you know what I mean? To go through, reliving, you know, think about that day every year for the, for the rest of time. And so, you know, he's that guy, and, and he became that guy in one year because that's the way the game is now. You know, in 2000, he would have been, you know, Ventura, uh, Zeal, Franco, Leiter. Now, many veteran presence, the veteran presence in the clubhouse creates a void. And fortunately for the Mets, it looks like they've got a bunch of guys who can fill it. Yeah, to a lesser extent, it's like that with uh, Aaron Judge on the Yankees. I mean, they have more veteran dynamics in that clubhouse but you know he's also a guy that frequently talk i mean when he's healthy i mean he's been injured a lot but you know he's frequently the one person that the media will seek out mm-hmm. when something note when something notable happens good or bad mm-hmm. i mean he's he's uh not a good as good a quote as pete alonzo is and not as outgoing as pete alonzo is but he's in that same vein he's he's similar he's he's similar from that mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, just to tie up the 2000 Subway Series, 2000 Mets thing, Jerry, of course, with the new book coming out, um, was hoping he can give us a quick synopsis. I know, like I said earlier, we all know how it ended, but, uh, you know, I guess uh, different eyes on the story always produce different uh, different tales. Yeah. I thought about doing a choose-your-own-adventure type of thing. You guys remember those books? <laughs> I do. Those are yeah. The uh, Armando Benitez is walk Paul O'Neill. Do you want to replace him? Uh, <laughs> or, or that's kind of like that. That's kind of like Tom Hanks's idea in Big. Remember that? The, remember that? Yep. When yep. he when, when he's like choose your own adventure comic books. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I grew up with those Oh, books. that's great. <laughs> uh, or you know, change every tenth book is like you know O'Neill strikes out. O'Neill was you know looked gassed and not a bat but just hung on. And what if he strikes out and the Mets win that game? Well, the Mets win in six and. <laughs> You know, Clemens gets torched to game two, but, you know, they, they didn't want me to do that. So, so uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, I, I was, um, you know, covering the Mets back then. Way back then, there was no MLB.com. So I was, I was actually writing for the Mets website, which was run by a company called ACS Sports, which is long gone. Um, <laughs> and that was the year before MLB.com uh, began running the websites. So I was doing a ton of work, and, you know, it it worked out pretty well all these years later that, you know, uh, the book was assigned to me and, you know, I knew all the Mets, I knew the Mets pretty well. And so they, you know, they, they didn't mind talking about it. And then I didn't know the Yankees very well, but they'd won the world series. So of course I'll talk to a stranger about it. So, um, you know, it's just, you know, and, and can answer questions that we had before, uh, we got, we, we had the wireless issue, you know, the best guys, on that team in terms of, you know, the clubhouse leaders were 
you know, a lot of veterans. It was the Zeal, the Ventura, uh, Leiter. You know, Pratt was really good. Beck Franco was good. They had a lot of guys you could go to, and that kind of you know helped down the road. You know, there's a lot of material that I had and knew them a little bit, and it was easy to kind of you know just jump in. You know, where we left off last time I saw them was you know 2002, 2004, whatever it was. Uh, they, they were always accessible back then, and so it was pretty easy to kind of just jump back in and ask the questions about, you know, the 2000 season. So, um, you know, I think, you know, Bobby V in the book said, you know, Met fans that he talks to who are old enough, like, like uh, you know, old enough to remember vividly that 2000 team, that 99 team, really loved that team because it was a lot of fun, even though they didn't win. And, and, you know, like we were talking about the resiliency that team had, it, it, you know, it was a certain, you know, I think um, – I think I think I think it was a very endearing Mets-like team, and that nothing came easy to it. Um, you know, they they they, they scrapped and clawed, and and kind of you know everyone had kind of been through a lot on his own before getting here. And you know, even Edgar Alfonso, the best player on the team, you know, didn't really emerge as a, as a star until you know ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, so there's, there's a certain quality. You know that that team reflected the fan base, and reflected certainly the the, the team itself. You know uh, that that took a long time to kind of gel and become you know what it was in '69. Uh, so it was fun to kind of you know look back to that and see that and and you know I, when I started the book, your first thought is just do it you know chronological. They want they wanted some uh, details about you know the old Subway Series, you know when the Yankees Dodgers Yankees Giants, but. You know, you don't want to just write a history book, you know. Uh, so it was fun to come up with ways to kind of splice in the history with, you know, the present day. So, like, for game one, you know, I was able to write a lot about, I, you know, Zayla kind of took turned Yogi Berra into the hook for game one because, obviously, he was a Met. He was a Yankee. He won a thousand World Series with the Yankees. And then he's catching the, the pitch before game one from Don Larson. And that had been the most recent Subway Series when Larson threw the perfect game. So, and then game two. Obvious storyline was Clemens Piazza. It was fun to, you know, uh, you know, track those guys and and kind of wonder, you know, what if, you know, you know, kind of kind of track the 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 weird, you know, uh, uh, random stuff that happened to yeah. put them on the stage together as sworn mortal enemies. You know, whereas you know, if Clemens signs with the Mets in 1981, 1980, maybe maybe they they or I'm sorry, 1980, I think it was 81. You know, maybe they're teammates in the '98. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a thousand things that could have gone so that the two of them are just like, you know, never, you know, never see each other outside of an All-Star game and nod to each other. Maybe at a union meeting, and instead now they're linked, you know, until the end of time. Uh, game yeah. three, I thought. Game three, I enjoyed writing about, you know, kind of talking about tracking the Mets history and talking about all, you know, all the guys and even the GM and the manager went through to get to that point. And Bobby V was a great player. And, and you know, hurt, hurt his ankle, hurt his leg really badly. Uh, you know, as a young player, it was never the same. Steve Phillips was a terrifically talented player. You know, played baseball instead of going to play football at Northwestern, and but just couldn't, you know, couldn't. Uh, he, like he said in the book, he could hit nine balls on the on the screws and BP pops the tenth up. You think about the tenth one. So you know, nothing came easy to him. Um, game four, I enjoyed you know breaking down. You know the Tory Valentine machinations and that great game. And as Larry was saying earlier in the earlier in the discussion, Danny Nagel's not talking to Joe Tory anymore. 
uh, <laughs> you know, and what went into to, you know breaking down that game from you know which was really a swing game. You know, it's two one, you know, two two three one. It's a big difference, especially you know you go back to New York, you're going back to Yankee Stadium for Game Six, and Clemens come back. You know, that's that's a you know that's a big deal. Uh, I think Game Five, you know, was just obviously you know uh, a, great, a great game, and and then turned on a turned on a dime yeah. on a thousand hopper up the middle. And uh, as Larry knows, you know, got some good stuff from Louis Soho about what Lee Vazili said to him at the, uh, <laughs> just, before the, just before the first, just, just before the hit. And then uh, it's funny, I, I, I thought, you know, I'll write the five chapters, do the five, five games. And then the last chapter is kind of be like, oh, what's happened since then? And I think that might have ended up belongs to one of the book because the next season, of course, is 2001. Can't write about 2001 without diving into, you know, how the season the city was already forever defined. September 11th, and then, you know, it's 18 seasons since the 17 seasons since then. Oh, uh, sorry, 18 seasons since then. You know, there's a lot of you know, Met Yankee threads. You know, interleague play is now you know, uh, a part of our lives. You know, it's hardly it's 22, 23 years old this year. Um, old, almost old enough to rent a car. And it's like so every, <laughs> every year, you know, you know, we're all old enough to remember when it was the new thing. It was a huge deal, and but now it's like you know, there, there's, there's, you know. Uh, it's just it's just routine now, and so every year you're going to find some way where the Mets and Yankees intersect, and it might be a quirky thing, like uh, I, I think it made the book. Curtis Granderson ended up um, uh, loan, uh, renting out his apartment to John Ryan Murphy when Granderson was with the Mets because he um, obviously the Mets and Yankees are home at different times. So when the Yankees are home, Ryan Murphy Murphy had come up. And he needed a place to live. And Granson said, "Yeah, I just you know live there, you know while, while I'm while I'm on the road, and you know, just stay there until you find your own place." So, well, but what three, about uh, when? Oh, just like recently, when uh, AJ the reliever AJ Ramos was on the Mets. That's right. And uh, he lived with Stanton, who he knew from when they played together. Right, 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 right. And so, like, uh, like I don't think uh, they didn't play against each other, obviously, because Ramos has been hurt. But, um, but you know. Murphy and Granderson would stay in the apartment together the nights of the summer series games. Like, did you have a good game? Yeah, I did pretty good. Okay, you want to go get sunny and watch some TV? Sure. <laughs> you know, so it's, that's kind of quirky. And then you get someone noted the other night uh, was the seventh anniversary. I'm sorry, uh, seventh anniversary? Yeah, seventh anniversary of Rivera's last game at, at, at City. Oh, wow. He stay like getting, like getting out for the first time in his life. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, the Mets and Yankees now because they, they, they play for every year. Multiple times a year, they're always going to be connected. So you know that that last since the Subway Series chapter, we haven't seen anything like the Subway Series yet, but we get something every year, and just it's neat. It's like if you're our, you know, old enough like us to remember when the Subway Series. So like, okay, now it's just you know, part of the fabric, part of the heartbeat of New York baseball. And I, it's prob- I'm, I'm sorry, Larry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm probably in the small minority of people who actually likes it when they play six times a year. The, you know, the three-game series in Yankee Stadium, the three-game series in, in, uh, in City Field. I don't know. I just, I mean, I, I, I just find the six games. I mean, there's always something. I mean, even when, you know, like, even in the years when uh, the Yankees were mediocre, you know, 2014, 2015, 16. And the Mets were, you know, not not great. I just always find those six games something compelling, and um, and I and I, and I like having them six games six times a year. I agree with the six times. I mean, I'm, I'm a purist. If they said tomorrow, 
still in league play, I wouldn't complain for a second. I know it's never gonna happen. I'd also be fine. <laughs> just played the Mets played the Yankees and comes with the White Sox and the Angels played the Dodgers. I'd be fine with that too. And I understand it's not gonna happen, but but I if we're gonna have it, I would wary that I prefer the game series. You get a better idea of um A, it feels like it means something as opposed to here's four games, two Monday and Tuesday in Queens, two Wednesday and Thursday in, in New York in, in Bronx, and that's it. Let's play the World Series. And then it's just like okay, you know, just you know, just cram it through to get it done and like We've all seen, you know, a handful of times, starting, of course, with the, the Clemens game, where Mother Nature necessitates a header. And so, like, you know, I think it was last year, Yankee had a, Yankee State had a rain out, so the whole series was in one day, right? A Yankee yeah, game. it was a uh, – yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was Wednesday. The Mets won the first game easily, and then the Yankees, and then the Yankees I think, won the second game. Right. Yep. So it's just like, you know, it, it, I like, you know, I like doing two, two – Two, three game series, and you, know, you kind of get an idea of you know. It usually went three, three, but you know, if, if you, someone went won both series, like the Yankees in the night, late nineties, would always do. All right, that team had bragging rights, and like we won, you know, we whoever that is, we won four, you lost two. You know, we're number one this year, and hopefully we'll see you in October. Or even in two thousand and four, the Mets were uh, ninety ninety lost team, but they. Uh... They swept the Yankees at home in early July when they were still when they were still kind of kind of five hundred, yep. you know. And, and I mean, that's that's kind of cool. We even if the even if the rest of the season doesn't go the way you hope, you know, you you hope. Right, and that happened. Then the first time the Mets swept the Yankees was what fourteen or thirteen, right? And the Yankees, the Mets yeah. team, or you know, close to nine lost team, and the um, Yankees were I think were kind of in that rebuilding phase of theirs. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's cool, you know, like, the fans, you know, for Mets fans would say, hey, you know, you know, we got this. And, like, kind of circle back to the the book, I talked to, you know, I said that that's many guys, folks that seemed like good, and, like, you know, for the Mets, had they won, you know, that would have been, like, you know, you know you're not going to catch up, you know, 20, 27, you're not going to gain 25 titles in, in one. But if they win that one, it's, hey, you know what? Yeah, you got 27, but we got the one where we played each other. And remember that? Yeah, can't forget that. And whereas the Yankees were like, we can't beat them. It's a great line from Rick Sterone, the former PR guy, for them. And I said something like, you know, I said, you know, how, how it would have been bad if they lost. I said, well, look, we still won titles in three or four years. And still towards the Hall of Fame. And he stopped. He goes, you don't, you can't lose to the Mets. You just can't. <laughs> You do that. You did a Steinbrenner. You did the Steinbrenner yeah. impression very well. Kind of that like was. the character on Seinfeld. Kind yeah, of like the character on. on Seinfeld. You don't lose for the Mets. <laughs> Heartbreaker, love maker. <laughs> George, 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 I fired a lot of managers in my lifetime. Bucky Dent, Billy Martin, Buck Short. Uh, 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 George. Yeah. Howard, uh, <laughs> he was. He was. You know, he was still. He's a couple. He's a couple years away from from his health issues starting to trip up here and. It's it's a great what if like what if they lose for the Mets whatever four or five whatever, however many games it is like is that are Joe and Cashman safe I mean it's, yeah they should be because you know Cashman I think is a Hall of Fame caliber GM and Torrey is a Hall of Fame you know they had a, they built a dynasty yeah yeah it would suck if you lost to the Mets for them but like that doesn't diminish what you did before that George didn't think that way it's really a fun and my wife is a huge Yankee fan we talk about that like you know what happens if they lose. You know, they lost. I to me, I to me, as a you know, I grew up a Mets fan. 
So, so I, you know, I, I, I get it. But to me, the, the bigger loss for the Yankees was the Red Sox. If you lost the Mets in the World Series, fine, it was the World Series. But they blew a 3-0 lead to the Yankees, to the Red oh. Sox, and lost. And then the Red Sox cruised the World Championship, and, like, that, like, just changed everything. And, like, after that, nobody lost their jobs. They did some, you know, they went out for Kevin, uh, after my brother, and had a, Randy Johnson, things like that. You know, he kind of, George still had a little bit of that, you know, go get the highest price guy thing. But, but you know, to me, that, you know, that was more embarrassing because they were up 3-0 and 3 out the way from game, winning game four and lost the whole thing, became the first team in history in baseball to blow a 3-0 lead. Uh, but at that point, George was starting to take, uh, George had collapsed at Out of Guns Funeral, I think it was 2003. He wasn't quite the George he was in 2000. So back on. You know, that that's probably why you know yeah, I think that's a pretty 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 good reason why you know Tory and Cashman held on to their jobs then and there were no crazy you know eighties ask you know moves. But does, that doesn't happen in two thousand if the Mets win and you know come back from three one and win in seven. Who knows? Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the last sense of the eighties with the Yankees, I think, was two thousand and seven. If you remember. Uh, the day they were down 2-0 to Cleveland. The game was on a Sunday night, a yep. Sunday night, and played home. They so obviously they needed to to win. And Steinbrenner gets, uh, I think, Ian O'Connor, who's then with the Bergen record, gets a hold of of Steinbrenner. He basically says, "Hey, you got to win or you're out." But I think that was the last vestige of the '80s Steinbrenner. And I know you saw a little bit of with uh, some of the comments that Hank Steinbrenner made in 2008, but once like. Once Howe kind of took center stage, it was more matter of fact where the Yankees were going to do it this way. We're going to be understated about it. Uh, I, well, as understated as you can be when you're showing out that kind of money for players. But they're efficient. You know, they're, they're now a new efficient machine. Let's hope there's a 2000 World Series. And if they're in the Yankees Mets, and if the Mets beat the Yankees, I don't think Aaron Boone's getting fired. I don't think Ryan Cashman's getting fired. I think fans will go crazy. But, you know, it's not like, you know, or let's just argue the sake the Yankees win the World Series the next two years and in 2023 or 2022, it's Mets Yankees. You know, I don't think that, that, you know, their legacies would be on the line if they had a dynasty and, no. and it was their, the, the, the chance to build on a dynasty came against the Mets like it did for these guys, like it did in 2000. Like I look at the, um, I look at the Brooklyn Dodgers and their, their run of, uh, of just lo- losing to the Yankees. And then they finally get one in 55 and, uh, you know, everybody remembers that one. I don't think Yankees are all that pissed. Yankees fans were all that pissed off about it. Like, yo, we beat these guys a bunch of times. We have so many World Series. Right. Of course, that's, you know, <laughs> that's 60 years ago or 70 years ago. But still, I mean, that's, um, you know, that's, it, it's, I don't think it, it it discredits the dynasty that the Yankees had. I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it would give a fluke designation to if the Mets did win. And, and really, that was, the, it was such a close series that, um, you know, it, it could have gone either way. There was a couple of breaking points that really, it, it, things could have gone either way a number of times, even into that fifth game. If the Mets win game five, um, you know, it's not a whole new series yet, but boy, there's a lot of life left. Yeah, if they win game five, then you got a whole day of, you know, Roger Clemens having to think about game six. And, you know, if the Mets win game one, you know, Clemens wasn't always great when he was pitching from behind in, in postseason series. You know, now he's up one nothing. He's got the advantage. You know, he's at home. You know, who knows? God, game six, you know, that would have been crazy. I mean, what, you know, he's got a whole other day to think about all the questions. Hey, can, you mad, 
And can you imagine if there was like a chance of a rainout and the story would fester into two days? Oh, yeah. There would have been a <laughs> Sunday night game, yeah. And it's just like, you know, yeah, if they win game one, like Todd Pratt says, you know, at least we would have bloodied their nose. We would have punched them first. They would have staggered. You know, he didn't say staggered back, but, you know, you punch first and let's see what happens after that. Wait, it worked. Yeah. You ain't able to punch first. And then, you know, the funniest thing happened and, and within a matter of a minute it was over. We'll talk about it forever. But, you know, the bat was thrown and the bat was cleared and we went back and no fight, no punches were thrown in, in a matter of a minute. But then he went out there and allowed two hits, both of Todd Zeal over the next eight innings, or seven innings. He was, just, you know, he was, he was great, but, you know, he was throwing 98 mile an hour fastballs uh, even before the Piazza thing, Alfonso. So he might have been, you know, good anyway, even if he didn't, even if he didn't go a little nutty. But, you know, everything's, di- everything's different. If they win game one, if, if it goes one, two, three in the ninth, O'Neill grounds out, that's that. I mean, they one more after that. You know, everything's different. And, you know, if Jeter pops up that first pitch of game four, uh, you know, if Piazza, um, you know, uh, uh, doesn't, I think he looked at a, looked at a, you know, belt high fastball from, get me more fastball from Cone. If he crushes that ball into the third deck, you know, everything's different. Um, like you said, Tim, there's so many different turning points in that series, right? To the very last, very, very last pitch, you know, uh, a fly ball that a lot of people thought was gone off the bat and it, and it you know, it perished in, in the glove of Bernie and I, didn't even hit the track. What if he yeah. homers there? What, what if he has the homers? <laughs> yeah. What if the wind was? What if the wind was really blowing out that night? Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, it, it was a cold night. It was October. Uh, you know, Bobby V had a great theory in the book. He said he talked to someone because he said you know he'd watched every game from the same vantage point and every homer Mike hit and and Jay he knew was gone. He's like, and I thought that one was gone. And he's like, but you know, someone said he did a study of how the, the jet patterns over over to Shea Stadium impact the fly of the ball. So I swear to God, and like the, the 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 ball he hit on nine eleven after nine eleven, I thought the same thing. And that ball, you know, went so far. He goes, you know, what's the, what's the difference? No fucking flight. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby. Yeah. Oh, he kind of love Bobby. No, no, no. He, okay. he he didn't curse about the planes. He didn't say that on the plane. He said. How fucked up is that? <laughs> but, yeah, so yeah, it's like you know, it was you know, he, you know, if he homers, then Rivera's, you know, you have two homers in the series, and Jay Payton's not the answer to the trivia question anymore. You know, and then go back, you hang on, you get another run in that inning, you win the game. You, 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 that's a great, you know, it's a five-game series, but we're gonna say what if about it forever, both ways. Yeah, oh, on the series. Oh, it was a great series. I was 17. Like, I was having a blast. I barely remember game one. That's how much fun I was having. Uh, Like, it was just, um, you know, it was an exciting time. Um, I think, you know, trying to quantify the excitement, at least from my point of view, is I think it would be uh, (laughs) impossible. But um, I'm certainly looking forward to checking out the book. I got one on the way. I got it on Amazon. And everyone, of course... If you want to find the book, check out Amazon. Uh, just type in the Subway series, Jerry Beach. You're going to find it. Uh, Jerry, what was the publisher again? I'm sorry. I asked you before we went on, and I forgot already. Uh, Sports Publishing out of Manhattan. Sports Publishing out of Manhattan. Uh, again, just absolutely pumped to, to speak to you guys about it. And I'm going to close it up on this. Um, Larry, I'll start with you because you've been a champ. And <laughs> sitting on your end there. Um, there's a lot of talent in both New York teams right now. 
Yeah. Do you do you uh, uh, do you think that these are the groups that will that could uh, give uh, us our next Subway series? I could see. I mean, I think the obviously the Yankees are more favored to get there than the Mets, but <clears throat> the Mets certainly have a starting off points with uh, Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil, and uh, and if and if they can figure out a way to retain Mike Conforto, which we know their record on keeping players who we think they should keep isn't exactly the greatest. Exactly where I'm looking in your direction. But uh, and Grom and, and Syndergaard still think, you know, unless he's chronically injured after the Tommy John surgery, it's worth it as somebody they should keep. I think uh, they have what's in play. And the Yankees have a, certainly a good semblance of what's in place with uh, like some Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, and uh, Miguel Andujar, who people forget is was like a doubles machine who almost hit 300 in his in the fall season two years ago. So if you're under the assumption that all these guys are going to do similar to what they're going to do, it's certainly not unreasonable. Still, the Mets have more hurdles because the Nationals are are still good. The Braves are good, so they're probably right under normal circumstances. I mean, yeah, I mean, of course, they could get anyone could get hot in a condensed season, but under normal circumstances, they're probably fighting with the Phillies and hoping more things go right for them than go right for the Phillies. And and if you can, and if you can, you know, not deal with the Nationals and just focus, be get hot and watch by winning the wild card game. And then you assume the Yankees are going to be there because I think the Yankees in normal circumstance, it's uh, Yankees, Tampa Bay, with Tampa Bay probably eight to ten games, you know, behind and then Toronto and then 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 uh, and the Red Sox with who have a good lineup but no pitching. And then then they have and God knows they have plenty of games against the Orioles. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, we've seen what happened. We've. Let's put it this way. My Stratomatic replay, they're already 13 and 0 against the Orioles. Ah. <laughs> and I'm trying and I manage and I manage both teams, so I'm, I try very hard. Try <laughs> <laughs> for the Orioles? Yeah, I try very hard to manage everybody equally. Um, I, 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 I would piggyback on Larry said, uh, you never know what happens in a shortened season, say that if we're going to see it anytime soon, I'd have to probably be this year because I mean, the Yankees are loaded. Oh, God, it's just, you know, a pipeline. Cashman is just, you know, going all in on, on you know, building that team in, in 2016 and, and building a pipeline. And they got just reinforcements everywhere. I, I'm, I'm sorry I can't remember the name. And if I had my wife was working, I could look it up. But I know they signed the, the hottest kid, the international pro- signing. Oh, uh, Jason Dominguez. Yeah, Jason Jason Dominguez. He's, uh, he's oh, supposed to be uh, the next coming. Yeah, I should know that. But we're not – but we're not even going to know until next year because if there's no minor league baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, but like guys, it's like crazy. Guys, they're, spending, they're spending money on Garrett Cole, and they're spending money in the amateur market. They're just loaded, and they're going to be loaded for years to come. The Mets are like, you know, we all know this. We talk about this all the time. You know, they're always the if everything goes right, you know, we go, go good. But if anything goes wrong, they don't have a lot of they don't they don't have a lot of backup. Um, you know, this year's rotation optimally would have been Brown, Snickard, Stroman. Matt and then Costello or Walker. Well, now, of course, they lost Syndergaard, so it's now you're looking at the ground. You know, it, it's almost a page at the end of the day. Yeah, and they, most of 
most amazing part about the thing with the Yankees is that we haven't even mentioned Giancarlo Stanton. Right. Who, right. in a normal season, is is likely going to hit 35 home runs. Yep. Yep. But, you know, normal season, where right. does he get hurt? Yeah. Oh, he's one of, one of my favorites in, in, in the league. One of my favorite non-Mets in the league. He's just um, such an exciting player. Yep. And yeah, the, I agree with you. I agree with you. Oh, my goodness. You know, where are the Mets? You know, where's the pitch? So, this year, they, they got the ground. You know, what's next year's rotation? Is it the Grom? Is it, you know, Matthews last year for a free agent? Marcel's a free agent at the end of this year. Watkins, are they going to win your deal? You know, where they have, they're, they're always going to be packed. Stroman, too. Right, it's right, right, Stroman, right, right. So, you know, like, you know, if they re-sign Stroman and Marcel has a good half year, that's a good rotation. And you've still got some really good young players, you know, around the around the diamond, you know, like, like Larry San Alonzo and, and, uh, and still Conforto and, um, and and you know, Rosario and I'm a big JD Davis guy. I, I think he's a really, really, really good player for them. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on him. And I'm a big Jeff McNeil. I'm a big Jeff McNeil fan. Yeah, McNeil. So you know they've got they've got core of young guys, but Conforto has got to be what this is. Maybe his next to last year. Or was it 15? No, I think he's a free he, he's a free agent after this year. You know, Conforto's got, Conforto's got like is a year. He? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Luke Conforto, yeah, after uh, after 21, 22. Right, because he, de- he debuted the same year as Cinder Right. Yeah, right. yeah, and they're both done after twenty one. Right, right. So, you know, they've got some really good pieces, but like they don't have the the the, the depth and the pipeline that the Yankees do. So if it doesn't work out this year, or next, it's like eh, they're gonna have to either find money that they don't have, or you know, sold or something. Oh. Kinda, you know, kind of make up that ground that the Yankees are, the Yankees will have, you know, in two or three years from now, the Yankees will still be a, you know, hot, you know, run, run, keep run as high and hot as they are right now. And for the Mets, it's like that window is closing a little bit more every year. And I think like a, a short season like this, that hopefully we get, however, whether it's 82 games, 114, 10 games, whatever it is, I, I'd love it if you know, you know, I, the book purposes would be great if they did it again, but. It'd be fun if, you know, <laughs> to see this short season, it'd be good. Yankees, no matter what you have, the Yankees are going to be good. The Mets, I think, might benefit. Another re- healthy, you know, and, and you're only getting, you know, 17 starts out of the, out of the guys. And, you know, like Joel Sherman had a great uh, column a few weeks ago. Like, you know, baseball, you know, in, in, base, in football, you could say we're three plays away from we, – we went 7-9. But three plays went our way, we're 9-7. You don't say that in baseball. Between 70 wins and 90, 70 losses, sorry, 70 wins and 90 wins. But this year you can. This plus in baseball, plus in baseball, numbers are always such a big thing, like a, like a, like a symmetrical thing. And this year would be the 20th anniversary of that. So how great would that be to happen on, a, you know, like a nice round number? I mean, it, yeah, it'd be great, great to happen at any time. But it's like, but it's like, this is like people remember. People remember more if it happened on the twenty second anniversary as opposed right. to the twentieth anniversary. Right, and then in a year that has been unfortunately memorable for so many other reasons, oh. you know, to have a World Series happen in New York, which was you know, hit hardest hit in the country by that, it'd be you know it'd be it'd be uh, be interesting. You know, but a lot's you know we got to get the baseball season first, and then we got to complete the baseball season. But I think I think we're going to see a, a long way of answering your question, Tim. Is I think we're going to see a Subway Series anytime soon. It'll be this year. <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, I, I know the Mets are in a 
extremely tough division, which you guys noted, uh, which I'm, of course, willing to concede. And there's a lot of talent coming through in Philly, uh, a lot of talent already here in Atlanta and more coming. Uh, I can't count the Nationals out. We saw what they did last year. The Marlins, I have a feeling they're going to be very good in a couple of years. Now, the Mets have a core. And, you know, they're going to have to resign some guys, but they ha- they do have a young core. I like Rosario. I like McNeil. Um, but there are moves to make. Um, I- I'm hoping that this year the Mets can get hot and kind of do their thing and make a run at it. And I think a 2020 Subway Series would be very cool. But um, I-, I-, I wouldn't be shocked if the Mets continue on this on this pace, especially if ownership changes hands. Um New ownership is going to have to make some splashes, and I think can only bode well for a good young core. Um, you know, the Yanks are, of course, in the driver's seat here, but uh, I, you know, I might be a little biased. I wouldn't count the Mets out from um, at least making themselves uh, somewhat of a force in the NL East. Uh, second half of the season last year, they're the best team in the National League, so um, I, I, I find it hard to believe they're that far off. But uh, you know, there's certainly gaps to be filled. I certainly agree. They're they're good, you know. You know, I, I, they're not going away, and you know the Mets have never really bottomed out. I don't see them like bottoming out anytime soon. It's just the way they're built right now. And again, that can change from year to year. If there's an ownership change, like you said, things can change on a dime. But the way the way the teams are built right now, this feels like you know the Yankees are positioned to you know make the LCS every year, and and they hope that the then you hope that the dumb luck of playoffs goes your way. The Mets, the Mets need some dumb luck, I think, to go their way to get there, and that their, their, their margin for error is much thinner. But again, uh, that's just the way we like it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it goes back to the book. It goes back to you know the chapter, the uh, fans, and the uh, and the expectations of that series. And you know, Met fans were really, really happy to be there and wanted to win. But you know, it was a cool ride, and, and you know, even, even though it didn't work out for them, and I don't think you'd be hearing Yankee fans saying that was a fun series. That was a fun season if they lost to in the 2000 World Series. <laughs> it would have been the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> they would be like, they'd be like, they would be like, burn these tapes, never watch again. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Mo, and then Mo getting lit up in the 2001 series. Oh, that would have been a tough couple of years. <laughs> right, 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 right. So you know, it's just you know, you know, it's not easy for the Mets, and it's obviously not easy for the fans. But you know, like, look, we were all there in '15, watching games, covering games, going against the fans. Like that place from August, Cespedes Day on, was. Absolutely electric, and and because you know they they wanted you know, they hadn't had something like that in a long time, and they want they relished it and enjoyed it in real time, and and you know you hope that and even last summer when the, when the Mets got hot, the city field was ro- rolling, and, and yeah. in a way that Yankee Stadium doesn't because it's their condition to expect it, and if you don't win the championship, you stunk. But if the Mets are like, all right, you know, <laughs> like to win the championship, but we understand that for a myriad of reasons, it's. It's not the likeliest outcome. So, if we have a great, what were they, 16 and 1, 15 and 1 for a period? You know, yeah. If we have a great run like that, we'll enjoy the hell out of it. And we'll rip our shirts off and, you know, can't profane hashtags. And if it's like, you know, I'm a mid major college basketball fan. It's like, you enjoy the ride because you don't know if you're going to get the payoff. Sometimes, yeah. you get, sometimes you get the payoff, your tournament gets canceled. But we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> As a hospital. <laughs> It was actually, it's actually, it's actually, it's actually funny. I think I probably said to you on our G chess that this, the second Hofstra game that I went to with you and uh, Molly and, and and Michelle was actually the last Saturday that I did anything noteworthy out of the house. 
Yep. Just, <laughs> you said because the Saturday before all this hit, I I had a bunch I had a bunch of work from home stuff. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really do anything other than there. Is I was like, I was like, oh my god. And now when I drive through Long Island, like we've had, we've act, I've actually passed through Hofstra, passed by Hofstra more times than ever. Yeah, in my life. Yep. You got nothing else to do, so you just drive by there, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So it's hey. uh, yeah, it's crazy, but you know, I I'd love to see Subway Series again. I'd love to see it every year because we're New York and we're the sound universe, right? <laughs> exactly. We like to think so. And uh, is that where's that siren? Is that you, Tim? Yeah, I don't know what's going on down here, but uh, that's the second I, the second run of sirens I've heard while well, since we've been recording, and that was uh, a, a good half an hour ago. So, yeah, and I'm not sure what's going on out there. We shall see. Crazy times, but right. guys, I, I do have to thank you so much for coming on. Oh, um, where, where, can you, where can everybody find you? Where can everybody find you on uh, social media? Uh, you can just follow me on Twitter. Uh... Larry Fleischer, F L E I S H E R. People, there's a common misconception that there's a C in there, and a couple of, in a couple of books that I've gotten acknowledged other than Jerry's. People still misspell his name. People, <laughs> the funny thing is, people still misspell the name, even though my email, the email address that I use is, is my name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so there's like an AP byline from I covered a Met game last year. Jerry remembers this because I showed him this. I covered a Mets Nationals game around this time last year. And the AP byline says it with a C, even though it came from my email, my Gmail, which is, which is my name. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> that's a long way. That's a long way way of saying you, where you can follow me. <laughs> I'm uh, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm Jerry Beach, like the beach. Uh, Jerry, Jerry with a J. Beach B E C H seven three birth year. Uh, that's uh, at Jerry Beach seventy three is my Twitter account, and. Uh, yeah, I try to post something every every night about the 2000 season, and Larry. Will which I, to, yes, Larry will which follow I will up. Inter- with, which I will interrupt my stratomatic with uh, deep deep researches that that attempts to link everything together. Right. The Larry deep dive. The Larry yeah. deep dive exactly, and uh, yeah, so you know, and hopefully sooner than later we're talking real baseball, and maybe things are a little little less awful in the country, and we can watch a little baseball for a couple hours a night, and. Enjoy that. I know. I think yeah. we all like that. Like to do that pretty soon. Oh, I, I think that would be a slice this, of heaven right now. Yes. Because this sure feels like this sure feels like 1968 again. Then yeah. uh, just yeah. uh, at least at least they had baseball. Right. Oh, just dark, dark times, man. Yep. But uh, everybody, again, Jerry's book is the Subway Series, baseball's Big Apple battles, and the Yankees Mets 2000 World Series Classic. Get that on Amazon. You get that anywhere you buy books. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> but uh, I'm looking at the Amazon page. So, uh, so that's the one I'm bringing up. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm saying, please check it out, the fans. Uh, I appreciate it very much, and I hope you enjoy the book if you read it. All right, cool, um, guys. Uh, again, I thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun, and uh, we have to do it again sometime. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having. Oh us. yeah, any any time because uh, God knows we all got time. <laughs> we got more time than we can we can uh, do anything with right now. Yep. All right, guys, you Thanks, guys man. have a good night. Right. Everybody, Thanks, you know where to find us. Yep. Yeah, and you know guys. where to find us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>